30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard Search alchemy on Google, and you'll get the following definition. The medieval forerunner of chemistry, based on the supposed transformation of matter. It was concerned particularly with attempts to convert base metals into gold or to find a universal elixir. That line, the medieval forerunner of chemistry, suggests that alchemy was like a bicycle with training wheels. And at a certain level of maturity, we were able to drop such childish things and get on with the real, serious, non-superstitious matter of true chemistry. The arrogance of this attitude is even more clear in the next line, with the smugness surrounding the word supposed, as if the writer were scoffing at the very idea that an alchemist ever actually transformed matter. But how could they not? We transform matter when we don't get around to eating those bananas in time, putrefaction, or when we invite lactobacillus into a jar of brine cabbage, fermentation, or when we repeatedly boil and cool an alcohol ferment to get hard spirits, distillation, be they whiskey, vodka, tequila, or rum. Matter transforms around us constantly, as well as transforms us. From the feelings brought on by digestion to the way encounters with our material world shape our own inner experience, it's impossible to find any place where matter is not eagerly edging towards some kind of transformation. Thus, describing alchemy as little more than a crude forerunner to contemporary chemistry is akin to turning gold back into lead. It loses all the mystery and imagination taking place in this refined art that explores the fragile boundaries between material and immaterial worlds. Which is why I'm delighted to have Brian Cotnor as the first guest in our special two-part series on alchemy. Brian is a writer, speaker, and true practitioner of alchemy. From weaving together dozens of primary sources into compelling and readable text, to experimenting with actual physical alchemy and performing the experiments described in text nearly 2,000 years old, Brian's approach transcends the divide between inner and outer. His books have included The Wiser, Concise Guide to Alchemy, Alchemy, the Poetry of Matter, and a number of zines on everything from lucid dreams to animating statues. So whatever your own base understanding of alchemy is at this moment, I hope you'll allow Brian to spin it into gold, as together we learn how to do alchemy. Well, hello, Brian. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. And thank you. What is our magic word going to be today? Um, statues. Statues. All mm-hmm. right. So audience, on the count of three, say it with us. One, two, three. Statues. statues. Why statues? 
Um, it seems to be at the heart of a lot of uh, magical practice, let's say. Um, in a very deep sense, and going back uh, to Neoplatonic and theurgic type practices, uh, the idea of making statues and souling them with the god um, is very key. Can you quickly define theurgic for us? Yeah, I think that would be a very good word to define, and it's a good word to know. So that's why I like to kind of start with it sometimes. Toss it out there Toss early. It out yeah, there early yeah. Throw it in the arena. Yeah, it means God work, essentially. It's, um, it's how one would, it's the practices, um, they, can, they can appear to be magical, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying. Ritualistic, perhaps, is a better word. Um, practices that would bring one into contact with the deity, okay, uh, Greco-Roman sort of god-type working. So you would create a statue, mm-hmm. right? And then you would call the god into the statue and open up a channel this way. So the statue becomes a, a, an embodiment of the god in a place through which you can access that god. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, the interesting thing about this is that when... Um, you go in and you read the primary sources with it, and this would be Iamblichus, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're going to go deep, we're going to go far, yeah. right off the bat. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the, ready the, for it. The reason why is I think a lot of people who are interested in this material um, actually are looking for some of the primary sources. Mm-hmm. And I think when you, when you go there, you start to recognize sort of seed ideas. And these are ideas that aren't fully developed by others, uh, but yet at the same time are very accessible to you, reader, artist, practitioner, what have you. The seeker. The seeker, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so the f- so one that is, I feel like, one of the key texts in all of this is called On the Mysteries by Iamblichus. He was a Neoplatonic uh, practitioner, philosopher, what have you, of, uh, what, 4th century, I think. Okay. Check me on my dates. Yeah. But... Um, and in a lot of the writing, there's, and also in the Hermetic tradition, the, mm-hmm. the Corpus Hermeticum, the writings ascribed to Hermes Trismegistus, also speaks about the animation or the creation of statues in this God work. Mm-hmm. But um, what's interesting, it seems as if they're talking about the outer creation of statues. And they, they are like the physical construction. The physical construction of statues. How to build a statue. How for to dummies. do this, yeah. how to do this for Hermes, how to do this, right? What are the incenses? What are the materials? All these sorts of things. You don't get the exact details, but you get the ideas. Yeah. Um, but really when you read deeper into it and you actually what they're talking about is the construction of a statue within. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that by doing that, what you're doing is creating this statue in which you are ensouling that with the god. So you're opening up a channel directly through yourself to the deities. You're carving out a space in your mind, in your understanding. It's, it's more in, in your, your very being. In your very in being. Your very being. What you are starting to understand is that there is, a, the way they would put it, is that there's a grand geometer mm-hmm. that has created the universe and that geometry is also reflected in our souls. Right. And when we can awaken that through external practices, mm-hmm. such as actually literally geometry was a, was a purifying spiritual practice. Yeah. Because it enabled you to be able to visualize. Um, just like that, you take an external practice 
and you start to move it inwards. And in that moving inward, you're now able to do this just about anywhere, right? So you may start with actually manufacturing, making a statue, doing whatever kind of ritual prayers around it. But really over time, the more you do that, you should start to be able to internalize it and start to move it inward, right? So that you are able to do whatever these practices are, but in your mind's eye, right? And so this is what a lot of the um, Neoplatonic practice was about. We're, we're doing these external things, but at the same time, it's just like any other activity you do, right? The more you do that activity, you're going to start having dreams about it, for instance, right. Mm-hmm. right? So already that's a movement inward, right? If you can, through a practice of awareness, of becoming aware that you're dreaming, right? Lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. Well, you've already moved that practice in. You're now dreaming about it. Well, maybe that might be a place for you to continue that practice, whatever that might be, right? Mm -hmm. And what I've found through my work is that it's almost like a layer starts to get unpeeled, that there really is something about moving from the external sort of practices, rituals, to the inner ones. And then there is this, this sense of as you go along, you will be shown, right? Well, I think I think there's two ways that you can kind of think of our of our being. There's one which is the the sum total of our daily experience in the world. Like, what are we doing each day? Where are we in physical space? Sure. Each of us is tracing a path that leads from our house to maybe where we go to work to where right. we like to go have coffee, then back home. Right, right. And we're doing the various activities that. If you watched our lives on fast forward, you would be like, ah, these are the re- recurring it. patterns. Yep, yep, yep. But then there's the the slightly more ineffable internal experience that we have of our dreams, our ideas, our imagination. Mm-hmm. And so by creating that externalized pattern of there was me going to the Home Depot and buying the materials right, and right, bringing right, them home and taking right. the time. To and then having that a dream about that. And then having that dream, <laughs> I was likewise building that um, insubstantial palace in my mind out of the mm-hmm. stuff that uh, imagination is made out of and mm-hmm. creating a space for this right. this entity, this God, this being to, to also take root. Right, right. Yeah. And then at that point, then the idea is, is that you start to harmonize. You start to become more like these, you know these beings, what have you, these ideas, these ideals, what have you. Yeah. And this is, you know, uh, would be referred to as like this idea of an ascent, an ascent of the soul through these various spheres, you know, you know, gaining until this finally a unity with, you know, the one, as they would put it. Better living through crafting. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and that would be it, really. I mean, it's this is what the heart of alchemy is. I mean, alchemy has so many different aspects to it. Um, How would you define alchemy? Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I have one I use that I find, you know, <clears throat> kind of a paraphrase out of Paracelsus. Uh, and so <laughs> paraphrase of Paracelsus. Paracelsus, there you yeah. go. Um, he was a Swiss alchemist of like 15th century. Um, but the way I like to describe it is it's an art and a science of bringing something to its final completion mm-hmm. or final perfection. So if you take that apart, um, that something can be anything, mm-hmm. right? Uh, traditionally, when I think most people, you know, think of alchemy, uh, is the idea of lead into gold, mm-hmm. right? Transmutation of metals is sort of the base idea that any idea starts to come from, and that's based on alchemical theory at that time, which is that um, metals evolve, mm-hmm. right? Metals grow out of the earth, and that 
gold is just a very ripe lead, right? It's <laughs> gold is just a very ripe lead. Yeah, yep. I like that. <laughs> right. So, um, so if you were to figure out how nature is doing that, mm -hmm. and then do that yourself, uh, well, you can help nature along by helping it ripen lead into gold. So, which what, is a very human thing. I mean, like we course. were, we were. That's what, like what we were constantly doing is saying, "Oh, I noticed this natural process that was happening. Let How me, can I reproduce that?" Absolutely. This little bit of grain porridge was sitting over in the corner and got kind of bubbly and weird, and mm, then it uh, got a little tangy. It got a little tangy, <laughs> uh, and it was actually pretty fun to to try that. Like, yeah. how do we do that again? And exactly. How do we it. mimic these things that that's we're seeing a, in the world? That's exactly it. And and I I. It, it comes right down to like, okay, how do you take what you have and turn it into something that you both need and maybe even want? Yeah. Right. It's, it's, uh, how did I, I, I've just been, I'm working on this next book, which is dealing with a lot of these alchemical ideas, but bringing them in for sort of artists, uh, mm -hmm. to be able to use, because there's a lot of this work with image idea, this type of thing that's, uh, transformative, Right. Well, that was one of the things that I really loved in um, your collection of zines. Mm -hmm. I forget which one it was in, but you were talking about this final perfection and you had just like a, like a little line about what that final perfection is. Right. And it was like the way that a painting exactly achieves right. that, exactly. which is so interesting because I think there's this uh, notion of it being very goal oriented of like lead right. into gold is right. a single like right. obviously there's right. this peak. But when is a painting done? That's exactly That's actually it. this weird, yeah. precise moment. Well, the is, artist has to decide, yeah. I don't want to tip over. And, and oh, it was so good. Oh, it was and so now, good. Now I just, I just ruined it with that next stroke. One. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but that's exactly it. So back to the definition, it's the art and science of bringing something to its final perfection. So that something can be led into gold because it was seen as a natural progression, right? Mm -hmm. It could be seen as the perfecting of the human soul. Um, in its union with God, the divine, or enlightenment, however one wants to put it. Right? Mm -hmm. So you could take whatever thing it is and take it from where it is into its own completion. I mean, the other way I, I, like I think about it too, it's like um, when something is perfect, it's completed. Yeah. Right? It's like the perfect tense in grammar. Right? Mm -hmm. It is done, not more can be done, never to be thought of it, boom, done, yeah. right? completed. And this is like... Um, as you brought up, like the, the work of art, you know, and this is a lot of what I feel a lot of alchemy is. It is the art. It's mm -hmm. like you're, you're, you're understanding creation, essentially, or you're trying to investigate it, right? And so it, there's an art to it. There's a science to it. Mm -hmm. And this is what I, this is the thing that just absolutely fascinates me about it is um, that it can speak about the creative world or the creation of the world or, you know, creation in a language that is both like scientific, poetic, suggestive, oh, like all of this. Right. And very richly so, you know. And process oriented, both very in, process -oriented, in the yes. recipes that it offers, but then also yeah. in the focus on like, is the art the object, the finished painting that yeah, is done, or is the art like, the process of taking that canvas and adding layer upon layer until you reach that final perfection where you say, uh -huh, no more. I guess step it away. <laughs> step it away. <laughs> <laughs> no touching. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Just put down the brush. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And this is, um, and I find for myself, 
when I open up these sort of studies outside of like alchemy per se, like the mm. laboratory work, the experiment with minerals, metals, this type of stuff, and um, kind of understand it from, you know, from the creation point of view is where I find, you know, there's a lot more to talk about. Yeah. If you know what I mean. There's, there's a lot more overlap with other people who are doing creative work or involved in creation. And one of the key texts in all of this is a very short work called the Emerald Tablet. Mm -hmm. Right. It's about, depending upon which version, it's about 13 lines or so. It's the one I think if uh, people are familiar with, they've probably heard as above, so below, as below, so above. Yeah. Um, classic, uh, classic, classic line. Yeah. Yeah. Like sixties rock album or something. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean, but, um, <clears throat> it's that one. It, it really is a description, a hermetic description of, um, of how the world is created and yeah. it breaks it down. It's like, you know, the, the above comes from the below, the below from the above. It has the ideas of polarity of circulation. Yeah, circulation was the one that was interesting. And what yes. I was just reading where you were saying the, the above goes into the below and the below comes up, which exactly. is exactly you're, you're mixing it up. Exactly it. Yeah. Exactly it. So it's trying to describe creation through its own observation of creation. It's like, you know, just watching, Oh, sitting at the beach, watching clouds form over the ocean, clouds come mm -hmm. drifting over, drop the water, water drifts, you know, drives back to the sea, this type of a thing. And again, we're back into that, um, that idea of process being what's important, because mm -hmm. if all the lead became gold, then we're just sitting around with. Yeah, love like it. all right, well, a lot of gold. We got a lot of gold. Oh, yeah, like now, there's yeah, nothing yeah. exciting to watch. Although you know, I think it'd be kind of overstating to say that it wasn't goal oriented. Yes, no, uh, it's the pursuit of gold, the pursuit of this idea of transmutation and material wealth and immortality. Mm -hmm. I I would have to say is what drove most of it, <laughs> from what I've read and from what I've studied. Yeah, um, and a lot of it is it's. I mean, it is, it's, it's curious, it's curiosity about the material world, yeah. right? It's like, wow, I noticed it did that. Now, what if we did that instead, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it tastes even better this time, right? This is alchemy, yeah. right? It's taking what you have, seeing what it is. What alchemy does is it takes what's there, kind of breaks it down to its essential elements, goes through this kind of a purification process and then reassembles those elements in a more kind of balanced, harmonized sort of form. So it's actually, this is what it's about. Which makes me think of like learning and modeling, of watching someone at work and noticing, oh, that's part of what they're doing that seems to work really well. That's part that I think is just their own peculiar being. That's right. And now I'm going to turn and explain it to somebody new. Mm -hmm. And I've highlighted the, the the four parts of the jump shot that are like the keys. The key thing. And that's what we're going to drill yeah. on. You don't have to spit left. Yeah, you don't have to right. spit left. You don't yeah. have to spit left. You can, you know, sure, in homage, but, you know. Which is an interesting <laughs> part, I think, of magical history, too, is then what is... Yeah, uh, we'll see, there you go. What is the superstition that just kind of got picked up like lint along the way? Sure. And then somebody is now like, oh, the spinning yeah. left is the most important part. That's right. Because no one, no one then questions <laughs> the dogma. <laughs> exactly. Until somebody comes along and yeah. says, maybe you can well, spin maybe, right. Maybe, or maybe, maybe you don't have to not spin at all. all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They misspelled it. Yeah, then know? the floor of your lab gets a lot less slippery. Yeah, there you go, you know. Um, but how yeah, did, how yeah. did you get drawn into alchemy? What was, oh, yeah. what was your origin story? There's, there's a very direct one. Um, and then there's more of a generic overall, like raging curiosity about things. But, 
Um, I would say the direct one is the one that ended up kind of shaping that raging curiosity. And it started, <clears throat> it started, I was probably about oh, 10, 11. And after grammar school on the way home, I'd pass the, the library. So I would go into the library. I was a real nerdy kid. <laughs> I'd go into the library, do my homework, and then I'd spend the hour before I had to go home for dinner and things. Um, just going up and down the stacks of the library. And I had gotten my adult library card because I had a very good reading level. Mm -hmm. So there I was in the library, in the reading stacks, in the adult section. Mm -hmm. And so I was interested in science, was interested in art, was interested in anything unusual, mm -hmm. right? I get that. And so it was just up and down the stacks each day. So, you know, whether it was cryogenics, whether it was cartoons, whether it was, it was like I was just looking. Then I came to, I don't know, history of chemistry, philosophy of science, something like that. And there was a book on alchemy. And I believe it to be, it's one or two, one or one or the other. It's There's one by Titus Burkhart and another one by John Reed, which are both really, really good. If anybody's interested, Titus Burkhart, they're both, I think, called alchemy. Mm -hmm. They're gen general histories, but they're very, very good, yeah. right? Um, so one of, the, whichever one it was, I started looking at and started reading and read it, and it really annoyed me. Oh. <laughs> it annoyed me. It, it's like, I can't explain why. Yeah. It was that, it seemed to be making sense, but it wasn't making sense. It didn't add up. It did not add up. The pictures were amazing. The writing was like, this is really, and I'd put it back on the shelf. And yeah. then a few days later, I'd be, and then I'm back at it. Yeah. And then I was back at it. It was annoying in that way that, that you, couldn't, yeah, just, you couldn't get it out of I your head. I couldn't get out of my head. Um, I, I didn't have a... I didn't have a place for it. I think of like looking back on it, I think is perhaps what it was. If it was like pure science, it'd be like, okay, that's science. Yeah. If it was like, you know, strange philosophy, religion, these kind of things, I go, okay, strange philosophy, religion, the, but it had enough grounding in material, physical, real world because you'd look at objects. I mean, yeah. this is the thing with both books. They have like drawings, diagrams. Here's silver made from, mm -hmm. right? And even though it's not really silver made from, it's silver made from because this is what they said it is, yeah. if you know what I mean. So in the museums. So there's a material thing going on there that's like, yeah, but come on. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that was it. Um. <clears throat> the other one was an actual, uh, I got, it's, I was shown, I was shown how to, and again, I was around the same age, how to take a penny and with mercury, coat the penny with mercury, okay, to turn it into dimes. Ah. Yeah. And so we went and bought candy. Wow. <laughs> so all of this. So as a kid, you were handling lots of mercury. I was handling... All right, all was, right. No, 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 no. I only, <laughs> I only did that once. I only did that... I have to say, I only did that twice. Where could you get mercury? Oh, you get a thermometer and you Broca. break it open. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, that was what the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't name names. Turning thermometers into, <laughs> into dime store candy. Into yeah. dime store candy, yes. Yeah. But, um, and it was just more this 
kind of curiosity, you know, that I think a lot of kids have mm-hmm. about the world, but I think I had it in like, you know, out like <laughs> beyond. <laughs> yeah, you, you right? had a little supercharge. It was like if I read something about something, I wanted to make it and try it, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, once I discovered rockets, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of explosions, a lot of mushroom clouds in the back. You know I'm saying it was just like, Brian, what are you doing? It's yeah. like nothing. It's like, don't tell me nothing. Yeah. <laughs> don't know? tell me nothing when I can <laughs> see, see the smoke. Smoke rising. Yeah. Where there's smoke, there's Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so things like this at the same time, you know, very interested in art. And mm-hmm. So that was... Um, then I got serious and just started really wanting to read more on it and um, went to Weiser's bookstore. Uh, yeah, I've heard you talk in, in yeah. some of your lectures about going yeah. out on the street and, yeah. you know, oh, panhandling, panhandling and then just going straight to buy, <laughs> buy, the, buy uh, some books, buy yeah. some books. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 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 So that was <laughs> we'll turn lead into gold for books. <laughs> That's it. We'll turn lead into gold for books. Exactly it. Um, and that was, that's when I really started getting very serious about it was, um, discovering Weiser's and then where was Weiser's at the time? Weiser's was at Broadway at uh, where Waverly runs into Broadway. I think it's like 742 or 736, something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I used to go like, you know, all the time and I mean, it's like, was like a library. I mean, I mean, it was about the only place you could find actual real books on on alchemy. Right? Well, that's one of the things that's changed really dramatically is totally. for the longest time, it was, you know, even for, I'm, I'm sure these people, yeah. the original alchemist is like, how do you get the frickin' text that you're, well, you're that trying was to it. When you obtain? Read it, and you read early on, like in the 17th century, they would form, they would form study groups, they would mm-hmm. form societies. And that's what the early like royal society of, of like the scientists were about was a handful of people saying, well, I got this book. What book do you have? Yeah. And so they would start to coordinate their book buying to build up a chemical library, an alchemical library. And, you know, this, this type is, it's the bait, that's how. It makes me think of like record collector of, zines from the 70s. Yeah. The, the yeah. lists of people like, I that's, have these blues I records. I have these. It's like, because the thing mm-hmm. is, is it's it's exactly those lists that have made it from the Middle Ages um, and onward are, are like book lists to let, <laughs> let us know exactly what was lost. Yeah. Or what was in someone's library as they were doing research and work, like, like knowing what was in Newton's library or right. what was in John Dee's library, mm-hmm. right? He had the largest library in the world. So you at least knew the titles knew the and titles then you knew. And you know that they're reading these titles and you know they're thinking about these titles. So burn him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I forget who was telling me about this, but I remember someone saying that there's a whole almost like genre of magic of that time, which was about spells to attract more books oh yeah 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 it's like no doubt i mean that's the source of the you know i mean as a kid i mean come on as you when you were a kid and someone said if you could have three wishes what would you wish for just thinking yeah the wish for a thousand wishes no infinite fuck the thousand (laughs) i'd go infinite on number one yeah you know what i mean that's cheating it's like how is that cheating yeah you asked me i wanted a wish so if i could have any magic book i want the magic book on how to get more more magic magic books yeah no just give me the magic yeah (laughs) i don't need the book give me the magic i'll write the book yeah but that's what it was. I mean, uh, if you if you wanted to read something, you had to first of all find out that it existed, then find out the library that held it. Right. Um, 
I mean, the biggest thing was uh, interlibrary loan was also very big in like people doing research independently mm-hmm. in the 70s and even the 80s is, you know, before the Internet. Yeah. Um, and again, if you wanted to go someplace, if you wanted to read something, you had to go to that place and go read it. Yeah. You know, um, whereas now there's just these like. 10 yeah. gigabyte files of unbelievable all of the magical texts and i i almost i'm like yeah one of these would have been somebody's like holy yeah. grail that they've worked Absolutely. so hard and Absolutely. now it's like it's you're like clicking you in and download. out of files and you're yeah. like i don't even have time to look at this i, 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 yeah. I got it yeah you know and that's how the secrets protect themselves yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i got it i don't have to read it you know yep. what i mean it's like okay you know no those who will read it will read it uh, I I actually don't have a problem with having this this level of access yeah. of like primary source texts, you know, like going into libraries, you know, uh, digitizing 15th century, 16th century things. That I mean, it it has. Let's put it this way: it's made my work a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, not that I don't mind traveling, but I mean, it's also it's not most efficient and effective and you do need a bit of money to be able to do that effectively. Um, and so that's where, it, that's where it is. You know, what's also kind of fun, uh, are the places that do print on demand. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you find, I used to do this in this here in the city at uh, McNally Jackson, they had a print on demand. Yeah. And what I would do is find that 15th century alchemical text and send it to them to do me a paperback. There you go. And so what was what was really cool, you'd go in to pick it up with the expressions on their faces when they take it off the shelf. And it was like, okay, this is interesting. It's yeah. Like, you know? This isn't somebody's yeah. uh, mystery novel about their right. cat that they right. wrote. No, <laughs> this is a, and so the benefit of that is, is that you can have a decent, a decent alchemical primary source research li- research library for like you know fifteen dollars twenty dollars a book you yeah know? not be afraid to mark it up translate what have you but so this is you know no I'm all for it <laughs> you now, know what I mean now one of the things the work was... itself is hard enough yes you know well one of the things that I was excited to chat with you about and I've loved in uh, the talks that I've seen is I think for a lot of people alchemy is really We've, we've gotten to this idea from Jung that like it's about this inner work and it's mm-hmm. all a metaphor right, right, and right. it's all that um, on that on that bean side on that sure that non-material side is where people have kind of been attracted to it because that seems more accessible than trying to figure out totally what is this uh, you know medieval and, chemistry set right. that they're and describing. it's all about moi so yeah what could be better and than it's that? all about yes <laughs> it, it fits very well with the uh, the me generation but then. You have talked about actually doing the experiments That's and right. not just reading the alchemical right, PDF, right, but right. then saying, so could you talk a little bit about how you go about that and what kind of okay. um, work you've done in that regard? Okay. A lot of the work where, where okay, in, in most general, um, what I do is kind of read the alchemical texts, right? Try, try to get the primary sources. Uh, read what they're describing and and um, and repeat it, mm-hmm. replicate it, and then see what comes out of it, and then do it again, and then do it again until you are clear about what they're talking about. Now, a lot of the work I've done, very little of it is with metals. I've mm-hmm. done some work with metals, but not much. Uh, the reason is because of the the high energy toxicity, all these sorts of things. So, sure. It's like, uh, 
I still do, but it's very limited. Yeah. But the principles within alchemy, and this is what I think if anybody's interested in starting doing some kind of work with, uh, the ideas of alchemy and alchemy um, is the work with plants, is the mm-hmm. work with herbs or, mm-hmm. or you know, kind of less harmful minerals, but even that gets a little too complicated. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those basic, uh, basic ideas are right there. So for instance, right, um, one of the more important beginning substances that one works with is known as the quintessence, mm-hmm. right? Or the quintessence of wine in particular, yeah. right? Now, um, one of the very first books on alchemy is, is entitled this on the quintessence or on the quintessence <coughs> is on the quintessence. Mm-hmm. And uh, written around the 1300s, it really is talking about the distillation of alcohol out of wine. Okay. Okay. And not just a distillation, but a redistillation, a redistillation, and a redistillation until you have what is known as um, aqua ardens, right? Burning water, fire water, right? Because that's essentially what it is. More or less hard liquor. It's 95% pure alcohol. There we go. Right. right. And the other 5% is water and maybe a few, you know, other other impurities that have made it through the seven or eight or nine distillations. So what you have there then is this very pure alcohol, right? But it's according to the alchemist, this is not necessarily the quintessence yet, right? It needs the next step, which is known as circulation, right? And what that is, is a very basic uh, process where uh, you heat something, it evaporates, you have something on top of it that causes it to condense back into a liquid and drip back down again, right? So if you think of a pot on the stove with an ice-cold lid, mm-hmm. right, as the steam rises, it condenses on the inside of the lid and the water drops down, that's yeah. circulation, right? That's a that's a natural circulation. Um so what they would do, the alchemists, is there'd be an instrument they call the pelican. Uh, because it has a passing resemblance to the mythological bird feeding its young by cutting its chest mm. and feeding with its blood. Essentially, it's a glorify. It's two bottles joined together at the neck, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a large bulbous bottom, a narrow neck, and a large bulbous head. Yeah. Right? So what you would do is you would put the the aqua ardens, that ninety five percent pure alcohol. And you would warm that so it evaporates. It would then condense, okay, and then drip back down, right? That's circulation. You let that go, right, for many, 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 many times. And eventually what happens is is that becomes the quintessence, right? Now, some may say, oh, that just sounds like a lot of hooey to me, mister. (laughs) Um, But there is some actually both metaphysically interesting ideas going on here, but there's also something that is a bit of a chemistry thing that's going on. Particularly if you follow the instructions as given, you will end up with a 95% pure alcohol, but there's, there's a handful of other little minor impurities in there too. And that by going through this kind of heating, evaporating, heating, evaporating, you're actually changing very subtly. Now, one of the signs is, is that when you would open this quintessence up, it would fill the room with the scent of spring. Ooh, okay. Right? Okay. Um, 
so there 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 is a possibility that there's like um there's a change that's going on from some of the essential oils that came over with the distillation possibly where the uh, the metaphysical is kind of going on is what's happening is this alcohol this quintessence was seen to be uh, the perfect fifth essence right so this gets into alchemical theory there are four elements fire air earth water and then there's a fifth one which is space mm-hmm. right the place or the space where this can happen early alchemical theory saw some of this space as being very very finely material right like the most subtle fire the most subtle air Oh, what did one of them put it as? One Neoplatonist, the flower of the elements or something like this. It's a really, it's a very nice metaphor. Like it's almost like something so non-existent. So does the space emerge from like these rarefied elements or is the space? Well, this the is, thing- uh, this is, yeah, this gets into different ideas of cosmology yeah. and goes back to kind of like a, a stoic idea of pneuma that pervades the universe which is what this idea draws from, right? Uh, kind of like uh, an ether almost? It, yeah. it is the ether. That's yeah. exactly that idea, that there is this kind of very subtle medium somehow permeating the entire universe in all being, right? Um, so when alcohol was discovered, okay, there's nothing like this. Yeah. I mean, really, especially pure alcohol, like redistilled and redistilled. And this was something that was coming up from the Middle East up through Sicily. Mm -hmm. And it was first uh, written by, uh, there were two doctors in Sicily in the 13th century that first started writing about this medicinally. Um, But it was this guy, Rupus Sisa, in the 14th century that actually kind of brought alchemical theory to bear on it and saying, no, indeed, this is that quintessence as the universe has its so the lower god loves us so much that he brought this here for us and this opens a channel to the entire universe it's like so if there's an imbalance of the elements this quintessence will will balance it because it's a direct channel yeah look what happens when i put it on my open sore it heals it watch how it goes if i put meat in this it doesn't rot if I put fish in this, it doesn't rot. Imagine what it does when you drink it. Yeah. Right? This It was, elevates your spirit. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. This is this. And where does it come from? Grape. Yeah. All right. Now you start to go all Christian mythology on this, and this starts to get very deep, and it's like, oh, my God. And this is what Rupa Sisa had said was, oh, my God. Yeah. We have a weapon against the infidel. Every evangelical man must know how to make this because this will be our weapon to fight them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He was having apocalyptic visions as well, and they locked him under the staircase for quite a few years. But but what he was talking about was alcohol and nothing like this. Yeah. So that's what it would do. It would balance the, the four elements. So when you would evaporate it, it would open itself up to the heavens, draw down those elements, and when it would condense, it would condense it into the earth, right? And through this circulation... It is that channel that is going... It's, it's, the, it's the space elevator that's taking that's exactly things back it. and forth. Back and forth. And this is exactly what the Emerald Tablet says. Yeah. Right? Emerald Tablet says, well, the above comes from below, and the below comes from the above in this kind of cycle of kind of creation. Now, the thing is... <clears throat> when you actually do this circulation, 
I was working on, I write about this in one of my books on alchemy, poetry, and matter, um, where I was wanting to develop a very simple circulation apparatus out of a martini glass and a mason jar with a sort of a rubber gasket. Mm-hmm. And the way you do it is you just cut off the bottom of the martini mm-hmm. so it doesn't have the, st- uh, the, the stem anymore, the stem anymore, but it has the pointy bit, uh-huh. right? You put the alcohol, the thing you want to circulate into the mason jar. You put the gasket around the top. You fit the martini glass right in so it forms a seal. Ah, uh, okay. Put ice in the martini glass. Put the thing on a radiator. Mm. And you have a very simple, natural circulation device. Okay. So you have the martini glass full of ice and then the full triangular part is, is going it's, down it's in. down and in. And then so it's creating that point that point, everything condenses. So you have a condensing the, thing, yeah. comes to a point and drips back down. Okay. Amazing. It's a very simple thing. And it's actually based on a drawing from a 15th century book on distillation. They this is giving, how I'm going to order my martinis from now on. There you go. I'm say, stemless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you shake your martini? And I'm like, stemless, stemless. and well circulated. And well circulated. <laughs> exactly. And... um. The thing is, when I was experimenting with it, like what would be the you know good sizes and things, um, I had the alcohol in there, and then I noticed round the rim of like where the martini glasses and all the ice and on the inside was this little cloud forming, right, and then little raindrops. Wow, okay, yeah. very very cool. Yeah. And it's at the same time I'm working on the translations of the Emerald Tablet. Mm -hmm. And this idea of the above comes from the below and the below comes from the above is kind of in my head. And I'm looking at this thing. I'm saying, where are these droplets coming from? At first, I thought it was like a leak in the gasket Uh and that perhaps this is like sort of water vapor coming in or something else and it's some contaminant. And I'm watching it and I'm going, oh, no, no, that's coming from below. I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. Here is the Emerald Tablet right here. The above coming from the below, the below coming from the above mm-hmm. in this circulation. And it was like, this is what the original texts were saying uh, in the translations I was doing. The more recent, recent <laughs> 15th century texts, um, they have it as the a new simile. school. Yeah, right. They have it as a simile that the above is like or it's mm-hmm. as it. As above, so below. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas the actual original versions of it, it's more in keeping with the alchemical hermetic version of the universe constantly destroying and recreating itself. Yeah. So to all of a sudden see this demonstrated in the in the material, I mean, this is essentially what it is. It's a it's a material meditation. It's like a walking meditation or martial arts or tea or or anything that has a material basis that is the object. Mm-hmm of where you're placing your mind as you're putting your body and things through this, it's really to habituate your, your, your inner circuitry, if you know what I mean, to these practices so that you can do this at any time. Right. Um, you can hold that little cloud of, of raindrops within you. Right. And or you, you start to understand how things come about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how things dissolve into other things. And if you want to make a change, well, sometimes you need to let it dissolve into the other things. It's quite not, yeah. you know, kind of purge the stuff you don't need no more mm-hmm. and then kind of let it recoalesce and urge it back out again someplace else. I mean, that's alchemy. This is what every laboratory experiment starts with, in a sense, is a decomposition into the prime matter, mm-hmm. a, a cleaning, a purging, and then a reassembly. Right. So very simply, if you want like 
plants it's like material poetry it, yeah. it, well that's exactly what it is yeah in the deepest sense because and here's even the 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 greek play on words on this uh chrysopoesis is gold composition is the greek word for alchemy that poesis mm. is where we get our word poetry from uh because it's talking about composition ah right and yeah. it's what are you composing with well in poetry you're composing with elements right mm-hmm. and the material world and alchemy you're composing with elements and that's why i call my book poetry of matter um, i'm thinking too just about you know the, the the crumpled pieces of paper that you're refining with each draft absolutely all distilling of that. and purifying yep, yep. until you get those perfect words in the right space and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. Uh, the manuscript is never the finished book nope nope but just a tracing of it and even the <laughs> even the finished book is not even necessarily the finished book but yeah. perhaps a tracing on the way yeah know, so it's not the final thing. It's the furtherance of it, so to speak, you know. Um, but I think you asked me a question, and I don't think I really answered it, and I don't remember what the question was, but I think we had a fun well, time going around whatever it was. Exactly. Welcome to a wizard podcast. That's exactly the way mm-hmm. of the walk. Um, I love that metaphor, though, or just the, the image of mm-hmm. the, the cycling, because if you imagine a very simple metaphysical model if everything is this prime spirit that's degrading towards this mm-hmm. you know yeah um when, when when we talk about the material world in very negative terms and well we, yeah see that's it it's not and then you can imagine that that would be like well it's eventually gonna all degrade and you're just gonna have a pile of mush mm-hmm. or the other side of if we turn all of our lead into gold right then it's that uh, well see that actually, heaven where nothing ever happens but instead it's the cyclical thing exactly. of we're constantly refining and re-engaging right and also finding that infinite within that grain of sand like william blake yeah. says me but that that's actually what alchemy does it it starts to penetrate. It's like as you would do a meditation or a contemplation on the infinity of the universe, mm-hmm. right? By looking up at a night sky and a very dark night and imagining you're looking down, yeah. right? You do the inverse with this through alchemy, right? Through the through the the use of matter and visualization and imagining, mm-hmm. kind of what you're projecting into that, but. An engagement with the material world rather yes. than, than withdrawing. This well, is that's not... exactly it. It sees the material world as the, as the means to it. It's, yeah. it's the ship that's going to sail you across the ocean. You don't start like pun- punching holes in it, beating it to death, all right. this other stuff to prove a point. No. Yeah. You want it in really good shape. You know, you want to take care of it. It's what's going to get you through. And it's also going to show you. Um, there's a lot of alchemical imagery that plays with this um, in a um, in a very interesting way, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like where you come across images in alchemical symbols or imagery in particular. I'm thinking of like works like the Splendor Solis or uh, Atalanta Fujians. If anybody wants to look these up online, they're amazing. Uh, Splendor Solis and Atalanta Fujians um, are images of the egg. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what that represents is both of the end result. It's like all four elements um, harmonized as one, but it's also the beginning of the work where you have the prime matter that is then split open. Uh, the four elements are then worked. But there's also another image at play there, which is one dealing with the idea of boundaries. Okay. And it's this idea of if you think of the egg, right, and you think of the world mm-hmm. the cosmos right you think of it as getting from more refined as up yeah 
coming down more concrete, more concrete, more concrete, you come to the earthy shell that is the crust of the earth. Right. Right. Well, the egg goes the opposite way. It goes from the shell. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you read the alchemical text, it actually will say this. It goes from the from earth to water to air to fire. And then the very center is the ether. Ah, okay. Okay. So when you're cracking open the egg, it's alchemy is a another definition I use and it's what I practice is the idea of ascent through descent. Mm -hmm. Right. It's by using the body, by using the material world right enables you to kind of open up to that infinity within the material world and all of a sudden you find yourself on the other side ascending so so just so it's i make sure that i have this correctly instead it's Dante. of <laughs> yeah instead of saying that there's this bottom rung that we're at and then you're climbing no, up and up no. it's saying that it's all wrapped around it's and just a, it's a foam the surface level is that that crust and then if you go in and in and you, in you're on the other side you're already. suddenly you've you flipped go, over whoa yeah. dude yeah yeah <laughs> You've dug your way to China. Yeah, essentially, essentially. But this is the alchemical imagery that comes up, and, you, and you'll see it sometimes. Um, there's one I'm actually showing you, but you cannot see at home, yeah. folks. Um, there's an image of an angel holding a shield and an egg. Mm -hmm. And on the shield, it's an image of the cosmos. Yeah. And in the other hand is an egg. Mm -hmm. And it's like... Same, same thing same thing same thing yeah that's what we're talking about same, here, same. you want to know what you're working on yeah this is what we're working on yeah. um and so this is the this is the idea also with alchemy too that it does speak about um inner psychic states inner spiritual states mm -hmm. if you will uh that can be spoken about but can really be spoken about really in poetic terms you can you can get there through scientific method yeah but it's like dante you know what i mean it's like what i love about him is he writes these three books how many thousands upon thousands of stanzas he writes mm -hmm. and then finally he has the vision of the unity whatever and he goes oh i can't write about this yeah <laughs> right and then he comes back and then well dude you did yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> But it, it 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 is it is it gets to the point, and you read this in any mystical type writing where, you know, words disappear. Right. Yeah. We're it, you know? it's it's the finger pointed at the moon, and so right. we we you know the, the finger is not the point, but right. the finger, the finger is won't pointing. get you. To and the so <laughs> then that's what we can translate is we can say right. try this out, and it's going to lead you to the realization right. that will then take you over that threshold right. that I can't just. Um, Describe yeah. to you. Yeah. And that's where these ideas of like, you know, sort of faith and trust and things like that with people, if you're working with people, uh, one of the things in alchemy is this idea of like, you basically trust nobody. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, in a sense, because you really... From the great alchemist Fox Mulder, I believe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But I mean, in the sense that it, it's all cutting edge. It's all everybody's trying to figure it out. There's a lot of like folks who work in this thing feel that an answer has been had. And if you go do this and you uncover the code, you will do it and you can do this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that is necessarily, I mean, maybe sure. sure. Okay. Show me. Yeah. But, um, I don't think that's necessarily what was going on, what is going on and kind of what it's about. To me, it really is about folks who are, who are, who have an idea of kind of what's going mm -hmm. on and are working at it. 
They're mm-hmm. doing their own open experimentation that's going to open their experimentation, own mm-hmm. right? And it is maybe within a stream of practice that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one, I'm speaking of alchemy and kind of related areas because, you know, it's like you talk to scientists, you talk to artists that are also working on the outside. Yeah. There are these insights into it as well. I mean, um, it probably comes closest in approach on that level to kind of a, of a Mahayana Buddhist mm-hmm. sort of a thing. There's no creator, no deity. Things interact and arise, but there's awareness. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Well, okay, where's that coming from? If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we don't know. We're, we're still looking. What's anything <laughs> you know? standing on? Yeah, 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 exactly, you know. So, um, but that's it. And one of the things I find with this type of work is that you really do need to have a level of co- being comfortable with constant discomfort, mm-hmm. right? Because there, there, there's no bottom to it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's turtles all the way it's down. It's turtles all the way down, <laughs> yep. So and it's, it's like, uh, what can you say, you know? There's always more to read and explore and try and do. Right, yeah. right, right, right. So let's talk about some trying and doing. And, okay, uh, sure. And switch to figure out what sure. is uh, a little seed that the seeker is listening can use to um, create some circula- circulation and fermentation and distillation in their own lives. Okay. Um, well, there's a handful of things. Um, one or a couple of them I'm thinking of immediately are more meditative, more Perfect. like ideas, like things like this that yeah. I think will, will open up quite a bit of possibilities and kind of thinking about your own work or work in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's really like taking a not, basically what it is. It's an alchemical dissolution. It's mm-hmm. it's reducing something to its its prime matter, as okay. the alchemists might say. Um, and I use I use descriptions of the physical world that we are more familiar with, mm-hmm. such as atoms, electrons, neutrons, these types of things, than ideas of fire, air, earth, water, and space. Yeah. Because as much as we are all like, wow, that's cool, fire, air, earth, water. When I ask you to think of the, a chair mm-hmm. and its composition in terms of fire, air, earth, water, most people go, uh, you got to help me with this. Right. Right. We don't have that natural we intuitive. Don't have this that. is our, our mythology <clears throat> and we're exactly embedded and we're it. like, oh, yeah, obviously a chair you. is cold and hard. Therefore, that's it right. is yeah. of these has, elements. Has, has predominant earth. It's yeah. flexible. So there's some water, you know, yeah. this type of a thing. Whereas if I were to say, okay, take a look at a, you know, whatever object is around you, like your tabletop or your computer, de- mm-hmm. your computer, right? The, 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 the top edge of your computer made of plastic. Mm-hmm. And I would say, imagine that being made up of molecules. Mm-hmm. I think everybody, whatever model you may be working from, 1950s yeah. all the way up to the 2000s, what model of, of uh, atoms you are working with, you can call an image to mind, mm-hmm. okay? And then if I say protons, neutrons, electrons, you may have this idea of this little point with a bunch of buzzy, fuzzy cloud yeah. spinning around it, okay? Uh, subatomic particles, all of a sudden it just starts turning into this sort of voidy, gray, buzzy energy thing where there's almost maybe nothing, right? Little ping pong balls popping maybe in and out of existence. Maybe something, yeah. and then you go beyond that, what those are made up of, and it's like... Nothing, right? Okay. So this is a visualization, right, that <clears throat> that uh, we'll work with, mm-hmm. right? And you start with an object that's right in front of you, easy, that you know every day, right? Like I'm looking at a stool right now. Yeah. So, and, and 
kind of zoom into it. Right? So if you zoom into it, you now see the surface of the thing. You see the texture. You mm -hmm. might see whatever fibers or material. Right? Go closer. Yeah. Right? You keep on going closer and you start to see, oh, if it's a piece of wood, you might start seeing a cell structure of something. Plastic, this amorphous strands mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, polymer and this type of thing. Okay, so now you're starting to see molecules kind of strung together in this, right? All right, so now you just keep going closer. And um, <clears throat> now you're kind of in that buzzy field of the, nu uh, the, uh, the nucleus and the electrons kind of mm -hmm. buzzing around in these cloud formations. Now go even deeper into it, and it's like, right? Now you're in some atomic particle yeah. land, and it's like this, really, this really subtle gradient of undifferentiated energy, almost like there's no there there, mm -hmm. right? But there is, because now immediately come back and look to the object that you're looking at, right? And boom, yeah. from that emptiness of this object, right, where nothing existed, all of a sudden, there this object it's is. It's back into focus. It's back into focus, and it has a name, and it has a thing, okay? So what alchemy does is it actually materially thinks mm -hmm. it is reducing things back to that state, okay? And then what it does is it brings it back up again, but not into that state it originally was, kind of brings it up over to the right, kind of mm -hmm. brings it up over to the left, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yes. Okay? So um, this is a kind of a practice that one can do you can dissolve certain aspects of yourself that perhaps you don't really like that you do and you do, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And by, by going through this, you can start to release those things and then come back up with this better idea of something, mm -hmm. right? One of the practices this kind of relates to, oddly enough, is icon writing. The painting okay. of icons, mm -hmm. okay? Because there is this process of a visualization of an empty field where the saint or the holy family or mm -hmm. Jesus or whoever is being projected onto it. But there is this sort of a... The icon is both a result, right? But it's also the way you go towards something, mm -hmm. right? It's both a mirror of where you are and it's the result of where you want to go but it also reflects where you are in the process of as you're making it, okay? So it's the same way with this other um, type of a process. If you're, if you're trying to make changes, right, you dissolve down into this primary field, right, and then come back up. But it's always good to come back up with and then, an idea of what it is mm -hmm. you're wanting to now come up into, yeah. right? So it's like a dissolution and reconfiguration, I love right. it. I even think of it with like the thought forms of you can have a feeling and then you can say, well, what are the component parts of this feeling? Like right. I'm mad at this person. Well, there's a little right. bit of shame that I'm feeling and there's a little bit of anger and hurt. And then there's also this desire that I wanted right. to go this different way. And right. then what are those parts made of? And what are those parts made right. of until and it then dissolves? After a point, it's like it's just like it's just awareness. No, they're yeah. there. Yeah. And then it's like, OK, do I really want to come back up with this i mean you yeah. still you still may need this is where the purification practices mm -hmm. come in right you, yeah you may have uncovered like crap that needs to be kind of gotten rid of right uh if we're speaking on a psychic level or even on a material level once you broke it down right once you've distilled the essential oils out of a plant mm -hmm. you've got a lot of crap left over 
Yeah. Right. So you purify that by burning it mm-hmm. is one way of purifying it. Not necessarily you got to go do that to yourself, but there are ideas like this, right? Mm-hmm. Where you might try to find that resonance with, yeah. right? Like what could that mean in this practice? Um, it's, so that's one, that's one I find very useful kind of um, sort of visualization that also just kind of gives you a sense of, well, you know, yeah. what you think is concrete really ain't so concrete yeah and this ain't no woo woo metaphysics this is physics Mm -hmm. and that's the part where it gets like okay so the thing to do is actually to sit with that is Mm -hmm. to kind of bring yourself to that point of dissolution with something and then just kind of rest there kind of walk around there Mm -hmm. so to speak as you're sitting safely somewhere non-walk around the non there yeah, yeah 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 and kind of go okay that reality is going on all the fucking time mm-hmm. while I'm doing this reality. Yeah. Right? And they're both true. Yep. So this is this is what alchemy does. This is what the theurgic practices are about. It's about moving these external things internally so that you then have access to them and you can practice them at any time. And then subtler things happen. So the next thing is uh, where these things start to show, and this is the second thing I kind of wanted to yeah. mention, is dealing with dream work. Okay, perfect. Okay. And this is a provoking lucid dream. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <clears throat> there are great books on this. There are great things on it. Go read, go study. But the most important thing you can do is try to do it. Yeah. And the most simplest way is it's a handful of, it's a handful of things you do. Very simple, but you got to do them. Right. Start remembering your dreams and start doing that by when you wake up in the morning before doing anything just jot them down mm-hmm. right the fact remains that everyone has lucid dreams spontaneously so you will probably just in remembering dreams remember one that's lucid yeah right so that's that's like you start doing this it also gets into that your attention is now being focused or being paid attention to in the dream world mm-hmm. as you fall asleep that night Set the intention, I'm going to have a lucid dream. Yeah. Get up that morning. Did I have a lucid dream? Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm going to have one tonight. Yeah. Okay. And the thing is, it's not, you can't, you can't get angry. You can't beat yourself up. I'm no good. This is, it's yeah. just about doing those things every day, every night. Mm-hmm. And in about six weeks to a month, two months, yeah. you'll start having, you'll start having lucid dreams. Yeah. The other thing is, during the daytime, uh, during your waking hours when you're doing things, um, take a common gesture that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes I've read people recommend like as you reach for a doorknob to open it up, um, something like that. Ask yourself the question, am I dreaming or am I not? Yeah. Right. Because what happens is chances are in the dream as you repeat it, the you thing know, that you're doing, doing in the, in the, ends up in, in the, the waking world ends up, ends up in, in the dream world, world and then all of a sudden that phrase comes and it can actually and you go i am uh, well, <laughs> i am yeah, dreaming yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah yeah i am um and that's really kind of it if yeah. you just do that you know it's setting up the space at night where you have an uninterrupted sleep that's a hard one right yeah. off the bat um no like try to reduce the noise good sleep hygiene as they call it um and then setting the intent and then um you know setting the intent again on waking and then if you do have one it's like whoa yes i will do that again tonight whatever i did to deserve that i'm going to go do that again 
and it comes and it goes. I mean, I lucid dream not all the time. Uh, it's when I want to get into, it'll take me about six weeks to get back into the habit of doing it. And now right? the image that I have is of our waking life being that liquid mm-hmm. that goes up into the cloud of our dreams. That's exactly And then the ideas it. of our dreams coming back down to the cloud of right. our, our, the liquid of our waking experience. Now... There's a twist. Ooh. <laughs> we put a little lime on the side? Yeah, put a little lime on the side. What hap- what 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 goes on is most most of our dream work that we're familiar with and you will read in alchemical texts mm-hmm. about the dream work is about bringing the dream out into the day world. Yeah. Right? Solving problems, coming up mm-hmm. with solutions, how you do things. And this is when you read the work in alchemy what 90% of it is. When you read the work in scientific discoveries it's how it's it's how it's used as well um in psychology definitely used it's brought out into the world taken Mm -hmm. apart to kind of bring to healing but there's another one which is where the dream instead of taking you out into the day world brings you deeper into Uh, the night world yeah okay and this to me is one of the more interesting things that happens and this is where i feel like in my work with alchemy or even ritual at one point, um, you start to find things happening in the dream world, right? Where you start to enact those same things in the dream, right? Mm-hmm. That other things start to happen. Yeah. Okay. That give indications as to what the next step would be, right? And have at it. Have at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's... um it's an amazing resource of like kind of discovery mm-hmm. of um of like the idea of of lucid dreams but um yeah yeah beautiful yeah that's what i would do it, if i were you yeah. that's what i would do yeah Thank and you. then working with your own material mm-hmm. right artist writer musician alchemist what have yeah. you it's like and find the links to that in whatever you're doing in terms of an ascent enlightenment whatever and i think that's one of the things that like the the, the divide which is very imaginary between creative people and non-creative people mm-hmm. which i don't think truly exists is i think the the artist understands that there's one process of generating the raw material and then another process of refining it mm-hmm. and then somebody else sees the refined thing and goes that doesn't look like when i sit down and doodle yeah. in my sketchbook therefore i'm not doing it right that, that's right exactly yeah. and it's like well you know what yeah <laughs> neither neither do i yeah. you know what i mean i just can keep on going awesome know? yeah thank you brian well thank you Devin. this has been fun sweet dreams yep, yep. sweet dreams <laughs> <laughs> for more of brian's work visit capripress.com that's k-h-e-p-r-i-p-r-e-s-s.com and if you want to help us turn the lead of ordinary podcast into the life-changing transformative magic of this podcast as a ritual, please visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual where you can help circulate the magic with an offering of $4.20, which will transform not only your experience of this podcast and of your world, but that of those around you as we all work together to transform matter into something that matters. (laughs) 